Yeah, I've got like part of Swan and Cipher that I'm we staring at right now. Oh man, I I, I read some of Cipher and that 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 was the good '90s show to shit. That was the good <laughs> shit. It, it was it was crazy in that unusual '90s crazy way where it's like everyone at school thinks there's this one hot guy, but no, he has a twin, and they've actually been switching up coming to school this entire time. <laughs> that sounds very '90s show, Joe. Yes. It's the Nomani game. I got you so bad. Welcome back, everyone. That music you just heard is from the wonderful series Jihaya Furu, which we will be discussing later in this episode because, hooray, third season is back. Let's be topical. But for our older series, we're going to start with Wish, which we meant to cover a couple weeks ago, but Corey's comic shop was being a butt. Or rather, Diamond distributors were being a butt. Yeah, it's just Diamond. Yeah, and so we're talking about this, and I'm guessing this means that Corey has read the new translation. Yeah. I've got the old Tokyo Pop translation. April, what about you? The Tokyo older Pop? one. Yeah. Yeah, so we will talk about that. Um, since, like many of Tokyo Pop's old titles, this one has been retranslated with some differences. But uh, Wish is a short four-volume series by Clamp. It follows the angel Kohaku, who has been sent down by heaven to find their missing mentor. There are some rumors that their mentor has run off with, you know, a prince of hell, which is very scandalous. Uh, Kohaku finds themselves attacked by crows, and they are rescued by this young, somewhat emotionless, emotionless doctor named Suichiro. And Kohaku feels like they need to pay Suichiro back, and so they're just sort of living with him for the moment, trying to do things around the house. But they are very clumsy and moe, so it's they, they cause more problems than they solve, honestly. And uh, one of the notable things about the Tokyo Pop translation is that there's a little note in here. I've got it right in front of me. Angels and devils don't have genders as we know it, so we'll use feminine pronouns for the angels and masculine ones for the devils. Which makes this series a whole hell of a lot more hetero <laughs> than a clamp probably intended. Especially since, uh, referring to our friend um, Bunny Cartoon, so Dawn on Twitter, uh, Reminder that Wish is very, very loosely based off the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Dojin Clamp did, where Kakuin lays an egg and he and Jotaro raise it as their son. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> and when you start looking at the art of Kohaku and Shuichiro, you can see the hairstyles in there, so... So yeah, um, Tokyo Pop did us a disservice by making this manga much more straight than it was ever intended to be. Uh, this is one of my more favorite Clamp series, partially because it is short, it is contained... It's got a weird ending, but not the weirdest ending. I can roll with it. Although, since Clamp seems to be delighting in having a multiverse these days, it has now become more entangled of some of their other series. It's now in the same verse that Legal Drug, Kobato, and Holic all seem to inhabit. Kohaku even appears in, forget if it's Drug and Drop or Kobato, but they actually do cross over. I think it's Kobato. I, I have no of. idea how they're making the timeline work there. That that part I just stopped thinking about. <laughs> yeah, I can't think about the Clampverse. It hurts my head too much. Yeah, you just... At the, at the one time, I enjoy good multiverse. On the other hand, like, the timelines just do not work with these series when you try to put yeah. them together. So it's nicer when you can enjoy the series on their own merits. And you can enjoy 
wish without having read any other, other clamp series before or if like me and not having read any of jojo's bizarre adventures before so april you've read this before if you've got the old tokyo pop versions um but Corey, you said this is your first time reading wish since you have surprisingly not read much of clamp right uh yep as we've gone through several of the previous clamp episodes i uh my i guess my clamp foray is via this podcast uh i'm basically reading everything for the first time on this podcast if it is clamp which is so bizarre to me since i got into the manga with the fruits basket boom and by that point tokyo pop was already translating basically all of clamp's backlog wrong word but you guys get the point and so, like, Clamp is actually one of the manga groups that's been the best represented in the U.S., I feel like, because yeah. basically everything's been translated. So it's so bizarre to me since I was reading all these things in high school, and I don't know, things seemed a little less problematic in high school <laughs> than they do now sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the difference. Like, I got into manga uh, later, later high school, early college, uh, and then, like, I really started reading more of it in the middle of college and then after college especially yeah by that point you had more options available since i know you're a tad bit older than me yeah and tokyo pop was tokyo pop and delray were just like gone by the time i knew that manga publishers existed wow since i still remember when tokyo pop went out yeah oh and for a very brief while viz had the digital rights to wish but their um digital copies you could buy were literally just the Tokyo Pop translation. I like pulled out my volumes and I looked at the screen and I was like, this is the exact same typesetting and everything. This is obviously the same thing. So how does this one shape up or compare to other Clamp series we've read so far, Corey and April? Like, how do you feel about this having read more Clamp? Uh, it feels very similar to the rest of the Clamp that I've read in that it is a pretty good to very good story, usually. Uh, about some sort of relationship that's going on in the Dark Horse version. Uh, as far as I can tell, I don't remember what pronouns they use, but I didn't they, notice they them. They were gender-neutral pronouns, as okay. far as I know. Yeah, as, and I didn't notice them, uh, like, weird things, like he and she for devils and angels. That's very strange. I wouldn't do that if I were a translator in New Japanese or anything, but uh, whatever Especially Tokyo about... considering how feminine all of the characters look. Yeah. Yeah, to my to my reading, it just seemed like they were uh, in gay relationships, and that's fine. Like, let them be in gay relationships, Tokyo Pop. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I read the Dark Horse version, and it, it you said it was four volumes. It is just four volumes uh, in one book, and that that thing is just very cumbersome to read. I don't like it at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it a paperback or is it hardcover? No, it's a paperback and it's like you know the Viz 3-in-1s that have like that okay. really cheap paper. This is nice paper. So it's super thick. Yeah, I was going to say since I've got the Dark Horse edition of Clover which is about the same. It's like four volumes in one and I'm just so worried for that spine. It's mm-hmm. just and the, and the shape is so awkward. So I've got a couple of the Viz's 3-in-1s um, like the Roroni Kenshin or that might only be a two-in-one, but the trim size is also much larger to compensate, so it doesn't feel yeah. like you're just trying to like frantically grab it as much paper as you can to hold it open without like ripping the spine in half. The wish one is 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 smaller than that. I don't have that, but I've seen it in the store, and I'm like, oh, this is a brick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, about about wish itself though, uh, I liked it, and uh, besides, there's like the requisite weird clamp thing where apparently this Suichiro. Soichiro, mm-hmm. I forget his name. Um, the main character guy is like in love with his mom, which is very strange. And his uh, mom is a tree. Yeah, and, and his mom is a tree. Um, the critical, even weirder part. Yeah. Uh, 
so like there's that requisite weird clamp stuff but like outside of that uh i really enjoyed this uh i thought it was pretty cute pretty good clamp this was this so i read this i think several years ago like maybe when it first came out and i read maybe half of it and then i read the rest of it for the podcast this has never been my favorite one i think i just didn't feel connected to the main characters so it just felt kind of fluffy and light but this has never been like my favorite series of theirs the uh we read drug and drop i think maybe last podcast or whatever and it has that sort of main couple in the middle and i think of that series not liked that couple and the stories with them but this one i just never really gravitated towards and i was curious to read it again to see if my opinion had changed and it hasn't really this just isn't really my favorite one <laughs> and you remember that revelation i told you guys right about how drug and drop and wish are connected I, I remember you told me, and I've been trying to... I'm like, what did she tell me? And now I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I don't <laughs> Should I, I just drop it in here, or...? Yeah, say it again. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so the other angel that Kohaku is looking for, their mentor, has in fact run off with the demon from hell. Um, no, the, the demon who's a prince from hell, then. Yeah, all, all demons are from hell. Um, and those <laughs> are the main store owners That's in Drug and right. Drop. That's right. Oh, That's right. That's my gosh. Saying. That's right. That's good, though. That's a good twist. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also funny, since Tokyo Pop translated that, and none of us knew about that at the time, so they used he pronouns for both those dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Tokyo Pop, stay within your canon. <laughs> well, to be fair, none of us knew this was actually a connection until long after Tokyo Pop ceased yeah. to exist. Uh, typical clamp. I yeah. do like the art. Uh, the art stood out to me in this one, and I, I do like it. Yeah, it was before clamp went full noodle people on us. Yeah. I definitely don't like their current art styles as much. It really is just two noodle people, and it definitely doesn't animate really well. Mm-hmm. I like some of their older style, like this, or Cardcaptor Sakura, where it's a little more rounded and bubbly. I just feel like that works really well. Yeah. Also, I think the angels just have like really cool, floaty, impractical clothing in the series. As a cosplayer, I like it. As a cosplayer who's not attempted to make them, I should like <laughs> Yeah, so Wish is... It's a short series. It's, I guess we can joke it's even shorter now that it's collected into a single omnibus by Dark Horse. Uh, definitely pretty popular. So if you are interested in this and check out your local library, you're almost certainly going to find a copy there of probably the older editions, probably not the newer editions yet. Especially since Dark Horse ran into a lot of like delays with that one. I remember I talked about Wish in a panel at Oticon at one point, and a friend wanted to read it afterwards, and he had to wait like two years for the volume to come out, which was not my intention when I did the panel. Sorry, Chris. (laughs) Dark horror. Yeah, so I think this one gets at least a mild recommendation from all of us. Although, Corey, now that you say that you're enjoying what you read of Clamp, more or less, and it seems like it has good stories, I feel like we need to now like subject you to some of the worst stories. Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> we'll make him read all of Subasa. Yeah, I need to know all of the all of the variations of Clamp. I did watch all of Subasa, so I'm I'm familiar. Okay, how many twins were in Subasa when you watched it though? Uh, I I recall zero twins. I think. Okay, yeah, you see, you didn't get to the bad part. <laughs> how many people lost arms? How many twins were there? Uh, lost arms. I think there might have been one lost arm. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Well, guys, I think we're going to take a break here, and then when we come back, we're going to completely switch gears and talk about a Jose Sports series about smashing cards. Be right back. (laughs) 
we're back, and we're here to talk about Chihaya Furu. Um, the manga, not the anime, but the anime is back, as we mentioned before. The manga is published digitally by Kogansha, and it's also published in Japan by Kogansha. It's by uh, Yuki, Yuki Suiksugu, uh, and it is about this Karuta club uh, run by, uh, well, I guess the captain is Chihaya, and the president is Taichi. They were bugs in elementary school, and they got into competitive Karuta through uh, a another uh, another friend from Fukui named Arata, and I guess Karuta is very big in in Fukui. Uh, but anyway, they they played the game in elementary school. They got really into it, and now it's uh, in high school, and they're making a Karuta club, and they just want to uh, play Karuta and be good together, and also Team Taichi. Uh, what do y'all think of? <laughs> Well, Cora, you've left out a key detail, which is that Arata actually had to move back to Fukui um, pretty soon after he met Chaya and um, Taichi. So he's not a part of the club that the two of them have started at their high school. And even Taichi went away for a while, so Chihaya was very lonely in middle school playing Karuta by herself after... um, It's a society, kind of like you might have like a chess club outside of school. Yeah, it's kind of like that. mm -hmm. So yeah... um, this manga is very emotional. I remember when I started watching the anime, um, I was surprised at how much it grabbed me. And so it's just amazing that we finally got it in English, even if it's digital only. But let's be real. It's up to 42 volumes in Japan. Mm-hmm. Like, I looked at my shelves, and I tried to figure out how much space that would take up. <laughs> and it would take up, like, an ungodly amount of space on my shelves right now. So I gotta keep buying it digitally at the very least. I wonder if they can do three-in-ones, like the gig with the Amagoon near the end. Yeah, I might need to do something like that. But as yeah. we just discussed, we want those with, like, a larger trim size, not the same trim size, so you can actually hold them in your hands. Yeah, yeah we gotta tell them like, uh... The part that I met, the guy left out, uh, Arata left for Fukui, his grandfather was getting ill, and Taichi left for a different mega school that was like an hour and a half one way away, uh, which it seems terrible. I, I don't want to Well, get remember it. his mom is kind of terrible. Yeah. This is pressure. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Jihai Furu is filled with all the feels. Um, I won't go through the process of explaining Karuta, since uh, that's basically in the first volume slash first episode. These people familiar. memorize a hundred poems, and then they try to play a very complicated game of matching. Yep. Uh, what do you two think of it? Have you two, uh, while well, Helen, you've watched the anime. April, have you watched the anime? And you have. So I've, I've, seen, I've seen part of the anime, and that, obviously that was several years ago, but this is the first time that I've read the manga, and I was kind of skeptical about it. I'm like, well, it seems like one of those uh, one of those series that you need sound for, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. I thought maybe it wouldn't be as exciting in manga form, but I was wrong. It's still really exciting, and the art is uh, really um, expressive, and uh, the relationship dynamic between the three of them is really intense. And I've only read three volumes, and I'm like, man, it just took me, like, right back to when the anime first came out. Um, so either the anime or the manga is, is they're both good so i was a little surprised by that but yeah it definitely took me back to when that series first came out and i think what grabbed us all about it is there in the manga as well yeah it's the characters that really get you invested in especially mm-hmm. that main trio to start with and mm-hmm. then as jihaya and taichi flesh out their club they get more members and you like them I, li- I like the members that they made in their first year the two new folks they get in their second year which comes obviously later in the manga i don't like them as much they're t- they're gimmicky and weird. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> very strange, but... But, oh my god, my heart. I'm just like, ah, I want to read all of this right now. I have so many feels. 
I remember being in college and setting up my computer to download the soundtrack while I went out to a workshop because <laughs> I knew it was going to take me hours. And I still have that. Like, I've still got the theme song and everything in my yep. music collection. Oh, same, man. same. Uh, yeah, I think I bought the CDs from, like, CD Japan because I oh, really man. wanted those. <laughs> but yeah, April, I see what, what you would think with the poems. And I know that when I've been reading the manga, I've just been skimming over the panels that mm -hmm. are more the volumes. Uh, Kodansha does provide both a translation and um, phonetically writing out the volumes. Um, and, you know, taking the Japanese, and it, when they say, like, ma, they write out M-A, you know, stuff like that. So I feel like that was a good choice on their part, mm -hmm. so you can try to recreate the rhythm in your head yourself. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like that element worked possibly a bit better in the anime, especially since, as we're meeting characters, a lot of them have different skills, you know, different areas that make them a better player. And Shihaya's in particular is that she has just this really good sense of hearing, just very sharp ears and good reflexes to go along with it. So the sound for her is very important. Yeah. Also, I find it interesting that this series has become such a hit since, if I recall correctly, before this series, the mangaka did a basketball series, which was actually canceled because it was revealed that she had traced a couple of scenes from, I think, Touch and stuff like that. Oh. And normally, a revelation like that would be a career killer. But no, she's gone on to make this wonderfully popular series. I know if you go to Omi Jingu, which is um, the shrine where the competitions take place every year, you can find advertisements for the manga and the anime there. So that's really striking. And I'm glad she was able to go on to make this series. I mean, tracing's not good, but let's face it, there's a lot of things that she could be doing that'd be way for creators these days. <laughs> yeah, so, correction, uh, 2000, October 2005, from Wikipedia, October 2005, Suik Sugu was accused of plagiarizing Takahiko Inoue's slam dunk and real. Kogangcha confirmed many of the allegations, and the author herself admitted to some. Due to this, Kogangcha ceased publications of all of Suik Sugu's work. Tokyo Pop canceled their English release on request from Kogangcha, and uh, the German publisher also canceled it after the seventh volume. Oh, wow. Um, I feel like I vaguely remember that, maybe, but wow. Yeah, it was called, it was called I guess it's still is called, Flower of Eden. Hmm. Yeah, I remember hearing about it in hindsight, because I think someone else had made that connection first and then posted it like, on Twitter or something. I was like, wow, I can't believe someone came back from this, but I'm glad yeah. she did, because she's got wonderful characterization here. Mm -hmm. She's able to have the characters play what is essentially a pretty repetitive sport but able to keep it varied and interesting. The pacing so far has been pretty great. She's got a fairly good balance for giving all the characters, you know, a good amount of spotlight. Like, this is well put together, guys. Yeah. Please join us in reading this Jose <laughs> series about smacking cards. Yeah. <laughs> this Jose sports series. <laughs> and, like, some of the best parts of Kihayafru and that uh, we read um, three to seven volumes uh, for this podcast, but... As Come on, go. guys. Amazon had a sale. I couldn't resist. <laughs> yeah, as you go further on into the series, you meet, like, uh, this 24-year-old office worker who's tried to get back into Chihaya. Or, Chihaya. In Carter. Carter, so, my goodness. Uh, She's very into Chihaya. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was, she was the former queen, um, the the top female Kakarta player, and she wants to get back into Kakarta. Uh, like get back to her queen status. There is another character that was just uh, uh, a little bit here, but that was just um, introduced in Chihaya Furu 3, where she uh, just had two kids, and she was also a former queen, and she wants to get back into it. 
Um, I don't think she was a former queen. Yeah, she was. I think she's been a class A player for a long time, but I don't think she was ever a queen. I think she's just aiming for it. I thought you haven't watched Kiai for three, three or three yet. You don't even know this. Oh, I thought you were talking about volume three. Oh, no, no. Yeah, the, the player that Chaya plays against, um, the older lady who dresses cute with two yeah. daughters? No, no, not her. Different okay. person that is also... Different, different person. That also has two kids. That is also... Well, yeah, that's a supposition. That she is a mother if she has two kids. But... <laughs> <laughs> she could have adopted... Well, no, even if she adopted, she'd still be a mother. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, this is a different person. Uh, and there's a former queen of Fujisaki's, like, friend. Fujisaki's coach's friend. Um... But yeah, like, there's a, a lot of emotional highs in Chihaya. Like, early on in the series, Chihaya is, like, trying to pound Karuta into the new players, and they're just, like, uh, right at their wit's end about to dislike Karuta because of how intensely they're doing this. But then they all celebrate her birthday, and it's just, like, the, they still appreciate her, even if she is uh, some crazy Karuta demon. Um, then there's... Other stuff later, like uh, the scrapbook scene, or just the the victory, or the the feeling of elation as you as you win uh, any game um, in a sports manga series, and like that is carried carried out very well throughout throughout all of this manga. Also, all the characters do in fact look very good in Hakama, since <laughs> one of the team members, um, Kana. Her family owns uh, this kimono shop, and it's not doing so well for business, and it's not as many folks wear kimono these days. So partially to advertisement, the group basically always competes wearing hakama, and Chihaya's even done like a little bit of modeling for their magazine. Yeah. And I find hakama pretty pretty, so I, I enjoy it. <laughs> um, Kana's insistence on that everybody be dressed intensely for these matches. <laughs> And it certainly makes them stand out, too, amongst all the other teams. Yeah, especially with Chihaya, who is uh, who is very... who is set up as very attractive and has also drawn very prettily. Uh, yeah, she's drawn pretty attractively. Yeah, her sister is also a model. But Chihaya got the height, and... I don't like... I forgot how much I dislike Chihaya's sister. Yeah, she's very peggy, but, like, as, uh, as infrequently as she appears, uh, I'm fine with her being, like, a disliked peggy person. Mm-hmm. I also enjoy all these little extra um, four-panel comics at the end of volumes. <laughs> I think some of those were integrated into anime, but not all of them. Yeah. And I just find it amusing. Like, they asked the boys at one point, you know, which character would you want to date? And all of them answer Kana. And then the same question is proposed to Jihaya and Kana. And Jihaya goes, Kana! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, it's unanimous. Kana, you know, is the best character in the series, I guess. Yep. I believe there was an episode in the first season that was just a bunch of these four comas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I've seen at least some of these gags animated before, but I just could not remember when or where. Yeah. Oh, I need to rewatch the series. I've got the entire Blu-ray set that Sunday Filmworks put out of the first two seasons. I just have not had the time. Also, my Blu-ray player has been petty. Sad. All right, well, do we have anything else for Kihai or Furu, or do we want to end the episode here? Should read it. There are a lot of volumes. And actually, how many volumes are out? I was going to ask you all that, too. 17, and... As far as I can tell, um, Volume 17 still corresponds with where the second season of the anime was. Mm -hmm. I remember when the second season finished, people were commenting that the anime had used up practically all the material that was out there. So, uh, Well, now they're back. Three years yeah, later, with more material. <laughs> I had to get more material. Maruyama is no longer with Madhouse. He has formed like two other studios in the process, <laughs> but it's back. And at least right now, all of the series are on sale for some some amount. I don't know how they determine this, but like they are between five ninety nine and nine forty nine. 
Yeah, that was one of the other things, buying on Amazon. I'm like, why does everything have a different price here? Yeah, <laughs> it's a little weird. I'm like, what is Amazon doing? <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh, let's close out this episode. Where can we find everybody on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mongeorin. Every time we record, I say I'm still alive, and somehow I still am. So you can find me there. I would be very confused if we were podcasting up a ghost who knew how to use Skype. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's a fair... That's a fair. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Wandering Dreamer, and you can also find me hauling my ass back into the reviewing game at the OASD and also recording on the OASD podcast when Justin actually has a day off of work, which has been a little infrequent recently, so we've had some oddly scheduled updates. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at K, and you can find the podcast on Twitter at Mongering Your Ears. You can also find uh, Mongering Ears on your podcast app of choice, unless it's Spotify. On the, uh, <laughs> what else was I going to say? Oh, you can find all of our episodes at taikupodcast.com. That's T-A-I-I-K-U. Please rate and review us. Uh, I think that's important for like finding some junk. And we like people finding us. That's what all the podcasters us. say anyway. Yep. <laughs> Until next time, folks. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>